Uh, good morning. Um, Pastor Tony said I don't get introductions anymore because <laughs> I come here too often. And so, um, hi, I'm David, if we haven't met, and I'm a pastor at Westgate Church just down the road and um, been, um, been really uh, partnering with this community for a while. And um, today, as we wrap up the year, I've uh, been thinking and praying about what would be um, God's heart for the community, and I thought about the great enemy of spiritual life. What a great encouraging uh, title to uh, end our year together. Um, and um, before uh, we um, pray, uh, I would like for us to read the passage for this morning, and it comes from Luke 10, 38 to 42. If you've been part of a church community for a while, or if, or if you are familiar with uh, just kind of the gospel of Luke, this text should be pretty uh, familiar to you um, and wanted to share that with you and read this um, and uh, we'll uh, begin our time together now. As they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Verse 40, but uh, Martha was distracted with much serving. Uh, pay attention to that word, distracted. Uh, and we'll get back to that. And, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. Verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Uh, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. God, we uh, just thank you for, um, yeah, your love and your word to us. We thank you that um, your words are life-giving. Uh, it changes the course of our lives. God, we just ask that now, um, as we open our hearts to you, that you would give us our daily bread. You would feed us what we need to hear. You would mature us and grow us into Christ-likeness. That is why we have gathered as a community of uh, Jesus followers. The goal of our lives is to become more like you. And so, God, even in this very moment, God, we pray against uh, information transaction. God, we pray for transformation. God, we pray that you would begin to stir in us uh, a heart um, that yearns and longs and desires more of you in our lives. We thank you and in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, the great enemy. Uh, this is, I'm just going to be honest, before I introduce the enemy, you should pretty much connect the dot with the passage for us this morning. Uh, I'm going to just kind of come out uh, and just say that this is something that I'm not really good at, and so I am not up here as someone who is, uh, who is further down the road. I, I'm certain that there are many in this room who have walked with Jesus, who actually embody what I'm going to be talking about uh, this morning. And so uh, learn from the sages and people that are near you who are embodying this. Don't learn from me yet. Um, I, if I'm being honest, uh, God began to do this work about five years ago, and so I've been at it for five years, and I have seen how important uh, this uh, piece of 
of, of spiritual walk uh, in our journey is for my life and for my family, for the church, and for the followers around the world. And so um, I've, I failed more than I can count, um, but it's been uh, near and dear to my heart. And I believe that we can today um, just be more honest and grow together as a community uh, more than anything else. And so I'm learning with you and uh, I'll share some things I've learned a little bit along the way, but again, um, hopefully we can learn together as a church community. Um, John Ortberg, he's a um, pastor and a writer. He, he's been, um, uh, not yet, <laughs> not yet. Uh, I'm just, uh, thank you though, uh, thank, I love that heart. Um, and um, John Ortberg once said um, he, he, uh, he was in charge of a, a very big church in Chicago, and um, he called up his mentor, um, one of the biggest churches actually at that time in the world, um, and um, he called up his spiritual mentor and asked, what, what should I be doing to uh, grow in my spiritual journey? Like, what does it look like? And you are, and his mentor, uh, Dallas Willard, as you know, a philosophy professor at USC, he is kind of the spiritual gurus along with Henry Nouwen and C.S. Lewis and, and all these spiritual kind of faithful followers of Jesus. And, and Dallas Willard said this. He looked at John Orberg and said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Let me say that again. Dallas Willard said, if there's one thing, um, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. And... Um, and John just took out his piece of paper and he said, okay, I'm done. What's the next? <laughs> and uh, uh, give me another piece of wisdom. And uh, Dallas Willard took a pause and said, that's all I have for you. You must eliminate hurry from your life. What you see in today's passage is that. You see a version of Martha and Mary and very many of you here are familiar with the story uh, how one sister is sitting with Jesus, the other sister is, is your typical kind of immigrant Asian person, like working hard, serving, grinding it away, slightly bitter. That's all part of our culture, right? You're not serving, but I'm serving the Lord, right? Why aren't you in leadership? I'm in leadership. I'm tired because of you. When will you wake up from your own lazy spiritual walk and serve God's kingdom while I do all the work and I never get credit? And, you, you know, and not that any of you here uh, deal with that. Uh, but we, we sense and, and, and you see the similar story. And um, you see, I love this text. It says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. What ends up happening is that the, the writer really captures this beautiful um, scene and the posture of what's happening here. Like when you are so distracted and busy and, and, and you, you, you kind of lose focus on what's really important, what are the priorities, and you end up missing Jesus himself, right? Like, I, I, I can't count how many, now I'm, I'm 20 years into pastoral ministry, I can't count how many Sundays where I'm roaming around with my head cut off, right? I'm, I'm meeting the newcomer, I'm saying hello, and I'm preaching, teaching, and I'm, I'm serving, and I'm 
I'm cleaning up, I'm, I'm doing all sorts of things. I'm planning for the next retreat and figuring out who's, who needs prayer. And in all of the process, like, whew, wait a minute. Like, I might have missed Jesus himself in his invitation to love me and to restore me and to show me a greater path forward, to correct my course. Like, I'm so busy and distracted in that, I lose the focus of, like, what I'm supposed to be all about. To, and again, this is not to say, and I'm not saying you should not be a leader, you should not serve in any way. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, is that in our Silicon Valley culture, we have moved to one of the busiest areas in the world, and many of you work, like my church folks, work in tech. I'm sorry for all your stocks. I don't get stocks, so I don't care. Uh, uh, maybe our church should go public, but uh, that's a different story. I've jokingly said, to, 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 said that to my elder board, and I got yelled at. Uh, uh, but, right, like, I, and, and, and in our busyness, and I know, uh, I know some of you are, uh, maybe it's a sour uh, place because you are thinking about potentially or loss of a, uh, a job or a layoff happening. I get that. And, and there's a kind of a grind culture where you come and you got to move up. You got to work hard to, to stay employed or make it or climb up the ladder. There is this thing where like you got to be constantly be in it. And on top of that, if you are a child of an immigrant or you're immigrant uh, uh, yourself, uh, we have this posture where this is not our land and we come and we have modeled from our parents and our our, our generations before them where they are working hard. And again, I have nothing against our hard work ethic and we are bearing the fruits of their labor and we are very grateful for the ways in which they have paved the way. And like I and I'm driving here and see how people have sold their homes and given to build the church of Christ. Like I, this is not a knock. This is like I, like we celebrate the sacrifice and the offerings and the surrenders and the hard work to build uh, uh, communities and build and 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 hand off something to the uh, to the next generation. Nothing against all of that. What I'm saying is, is that in that process of working hard, we have somehow become like this. We have somehow in our busyness, in our immigrant, in our kind of Silicon Valley culture, in our hard work, we have lost, we have lost the sight of Jesus. We have lost the sight of what this is all about, really. And I told you, I've been in this journey for five years, and and I kind of see, and, and again, if you're here, you're like, man, I'm a parent. You have no idea what you're talking about. Well, I do a little bit. I have two girls, and, and I get it. Like every five minutes, like even this week, as I'm preparing for slowing down, daddy, play with me, play with me. That's like Zoe's favorite phrase, play with me, right? And it's like in my dreams, I wake up like, play with me, right? I'm like, I, and as I'm playing with her, she's like, play with me. I'm like, I'm playing with you, right? And, and constant interruptions, and I get that. Here's the difference right? There's nothing wrong with being busy. Let me say that again. There's nothing wrong with being busy. Dallas Willard and what he's pointing to in Luke is talking about there's something wrong with being in hurry. 
Busyness is the outer conditions of our circumstances. We do not control that. Hurry is the inner condition of your heart and your soul, friends. Let me say that again. Busyness is just an outer chaos that comes with raising kids and, and with, with busy, you got project dumped on, you work in Apple, Google, wherever you are uh, in a startup and you are trying to go public and, and, you're, you're making, and you're making that final push. I get that. There's nothing wrong with being busy. There are seasons in the church, like, uh, like all of us all around the world, they're getting ready for Christmas Eve and Christmas services. And, and inviting people to come and to hear the story of, of Jesus. And, and we're getting ready to, for all the different ways in which we will be a greater witness to Christ's birth. Like, and you are getting ready for that. There is a busyness to that. You are at a retreat and planning for the retreat, folks in leadership team. And, and I get that again. This is not this text and what Dallas Willard and what Jesus is not talking about like, hey, bu being busy is part of it, right? But what you notice about Jesus is that yeah, he's able to point this out because he was very busy, but he was never hurried. He had constant demands Jesus, heal us. Jesus, come here. Save my daughter and this. But he knew the boundaries. He knew when to say no. He knew when to fall asleep. He knew when to say, I need to go and pray with the Father. Oh, as you read the Gospels, what you, what you see in Jesus is that in his bus busyness of the world and the chaos that's happening, he was anchored because he was never hurried. He knew how to be anchored in, in his own soul, in his own soil, right, of his own heart to walk and to be faithful to what God has been given to him for that very day. And I love that, right? Jesus prays, give us and give all of us this daily bread, right? Jesus doesn't say, God, I'm in a rush. Give me a whole week's worth of food so I can figure out how to navigate that. I can't, Jesus says, no, every day you wake up and say, give us our daily bread. John Orberg says this, right? For most of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith. It is that we will become so distracted like Martha, right? I love how the verse 40 says, Martha was distracted with much serving and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. Let's take a pause and just think about this year for you. Has it been a quiet and calm year <laughs> for, for you? Let's just take a pause. What, what's been happening in your family? What's been happening in your, at your work? What's been happening in your own relationships and, and in your own marriages and in your parenting? Whatever that may be in ministry, in this church, all the different changes and all of it. Like, take a moment and say, Did, was my, like, posture, was there a lot of hurry in me? Or this year, as you look at this year, right, and this is the beauty and the gift of ending the year, which is why we get to see, like, have I grown 
in greater peace, right? The fruit of the Spirit. Have I grown in peace? Have I grown in gentleness? Have I grown in love? Have I grown in all the... And by the way, you cannot grow in the fruit of the Spirit if you're constantly in hurry. There's no, there's no space for you to love. There's no space for you to be peaceful. There's no space for you to be gentle because you're constantly irritated. And, and so if you take an inventory of your life this year, did you live in a posture of not just being busy but in a posture of hurry or did you grow in the fruit of the Spirit? This is again... Not a message to shame you. This is an invitation from from God through Luke 10 to say, where have we been? Carl, Carl Jung says this, hurry is not the devil, not of the devil. Hurry is the devil, right? Hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. My friend, um, he wrote a book a few years ago called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, right? And he was mentored by John Ortberg and Dallas Willard. And, 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 they, they, and so he actually took that phrase and wrote this book uh, a few years ago. And it became New York Times bestseller, a lot of Christians. How many of you actually have heard of this book or read this book? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, um, I highly recommend it and it hit a nerve in kind of the Christian circles. And so... Um, and, and I can only see it as not just that it's a great um, Christian literature, but it hit a nerve in our, in our world today that we all are living in a hurry. And in, and in the book, John Mark Comer says this. Corey Ten Boom once said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. There's truth in that. Both sin and business uh, not business, bu- busyness, have the sa- uh, exact same effect. They cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to your own soul. Whew. He's preaching now, right? Um, and so, to, and some of you, you're like, I don't know, I'm easygoing, and I don't feel like that's me, my, my, my posture. Uh, I, I, I'm very chill, I'm relaxed, and, and, um, and maybe even for you, there might be an invitation. So we're going to do a quick exercise, and in the book, um, as we talk about what does it look like to be just constantly busy and in a hurry, there are 10 symptoms of hurry sickness, and I want you to, we're going to do a quick exercise together, okay? So I'm going to start with the first one. Irritability, right? That's, that's what, okay, so just take a moment and say, when small things be, uh, become big in your life, right? You get annoyed by, it, it should, like, like Skylar Zoe, right? Like they're like, they're kids, they're like four years old, and they spill milk, right, on the floor. Like, she's supposed to spill milk because she's still learning how to hold things, right? And then I'm just like, I lose it, like, God, like, once again, that 2% milk, right, that I've worked hard to, to, right, like, and I get so bothered, and I look at it and say, why did you spill again? And she's like, I don't know, I'm just a four years old, right? She doesn't say that, but that's how she looks at me. She's like, I don't know. I'm like, right? like it's just a baby, right? But you get, and you're at work, or you're with your family, or you're in a relationship, and small things bother you a lot more than it should, right? 
that's a symptom of hurry sickness. Hypersensitivity, right? And, and hypersensitivity is really saying like you get emotional and you get hurt easily, right? And, 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 and then workaholism, is, it, it speaks for itself, right? It, uh, I mean, restlessness, right? You go to sleep and you're still thinking about tomorrow. You're thinking about all the work projects and everything around you. You're thinking about the next thing that you need to do. There's a checklist in your soul and, and constant. You're thinking about what and you look at, man, like you love looking at Google calendars all the time right? And you stare at them and you find pride when there's like a lot of things that are filled up and, and you're looking at when, when you get an email for like a next ping for like a meeting with you, like it like it, it excites you and, and, and I, I'm sharing all that because that's me and, and right? And, and, and workaholism, right? Like you, you love to talk about work, think about work and you're you're dreaming about your next work project, right? There's a, there's a posture in which, right, emotional numbness, um, and you are disconnected, <laughs> right? And, and folks who are disconnected, you think you're not being a uh, hurry, but actually that is, a, uh, that is also a symptom of being in hurry. Because why? Because you are focused on not that important things. You are, you are becoming numb so that you don't have to really dis, uh, deal with the main thing, right? And so that's how it comes in your life, out of order priorities. And, and that's what happened with Martha and Mary's story. Like Jesus is in your room, but you're on the other side, like doing stuff for Jesus, but you're like not in his presence, having a conversation, receiving from him, right? That's what happens in out of order priorities, and there are priorities in your life. You have a family, you have things that, that are important to you, but, but because of hurry, like hurry sickness, what ends up happening is that all your priorities get mixed up in the process. Lack of care for your body, like you need to go get that chiropractic treatment, right? You need to go get that massage, or you need to rest, or you need to exercise, and you're not taking care of your body. You're eating junk food, and you're just, I'm too busy. I just got to do that, whatever, that uh, Trader Joe's, like that three-minute microwavable, uh, that Indian curry thing. Actually, by the way, it's really good, but um, uh, why was I thinking about that? Oh, I'm hungry. Okay. Um, but yeah, like you're, you're, you're like, I, I just, I, I only have time for, for quick microwavable things, right? Like I just got to get to the next thing. And so there's a lack of care for your body. Escapist behaviors, um, um, that, that's your Netflix for you. That's your, that's your shows and dramas and, and games where you just can escape from reality, right? And you don't want to deal with some of the important things that are coming in your way. And so escapism is actually a symptom of hurry sickness. Oh, this one's going to hurt for our Christian friends. Slippage of spiritual practices, right? Uh, when you start to feel that, prayer is the first thing or scripture reading is the first thing to go out the window. And I'm just going to say it. Same thing for pastors too. You're like, why is he here? <laughs> same thing for Christian leaders. Same thing for elders, deacons. I don't care who you are. This is the first thing that goes, especially if you're a Christian leader. When you are busy, you, I mean, I've been guilty of like using my sermons as my devotional. 
right? Like that's what happens, right? Oh, I, devotional and, and sermons are two different things, but I don't have time to do my stuff, right? Let me just chew on what I'm going to work and preach on Sunday as my, as my devotional. Then it's kind of like a two-for-one deal with God, right? I grow in my faith, and I get to work for God's kingdom all at the same time, right? God, don't you love my efficiency, right? And God says, no, absolutely not. But what ends up happening is that that's what happens. There's a slippage of spiritual practices. And lastly, isolation, right? When you become so hurried and so and busyness just keeps creeping up, you begin to remove yourself from community out of tiredness and exhaustion. Here, th- let me show you uh, a quick slide that, that I saw, a quick uh, pie chart, right, that, that I found it to be super helpful. This is the Decalogue, or, or what we call traditionally the Ten Commandments. And uh, Ten Commandments, if you are a follower of Jesus, and if you're not, I'm so glad that you're here with us and checking us out and checking out what it means to, to know Christ and to follow. It's, it's a courageous thing to be uh, coming even on a Sunday morning like that. But if you've been around, uh, Ten Commandments are, uh, are really a, a guideline in which uh, people of the faith understand and follow God and his heart for humanity. And these are not rules and regulations of not to do's, but really about what gives real life and freedom and joy. But if you look at of the 10, what, what you see in, and I love what they did. They said, let's just use all the words that God used and see if there's a lot of words, right, for certain ones, like that must mean much for God's heart. And then when they did the, the, the um, uh, survey and, and able to count it, they realized that Sabbath, right, uh, the rest of, of human soul, right, to stop and to seize and to trust God, right, that we are not machines, that had the greatest amount of words of all of the Ten Commandments. Now, that, that's got to say something to us in our own invitation. How, what does it look like for you and I to not get caught up like Martha in the distraction and the busyness and the hurriness of our soul and with Silicon Valley and the immigrant culture that only adds to it, but what, what would it look like to create margin for next year, friends? What would it look like for us to slow down a little bit, for us to surrender and to say, that's not of me? What, is, what would it look like for us and friends that we're not, that we, that we surrender our our, our Desire to be a savior in all situations of, of all people in our lives, right? Savior complex, right? Like that, that we are not the solution to all things. What would it look like to create boundaries? What would it look like in 2023 to say no more often? What would it look like to take and pause and give a day to really stop your work? To not check Gmail, not to click refresh. Like, do you do this? I do it all the time, Right? My phone hates me, right? I'm like, come here, right? And, and I refresh and, and desiring uh, like one more impact for whatever, even if those things are good. What would it look like for us to pause and remind ourselves that we are humans and that God is still at work when we're not working? That it is God who guides our lives. It is God who leads us home. 
that it is God who will lead our families. We cannot, I cannot save my children. Salvation is of the Lord. And and it's my job to, of course, best model that at home, but at the end of the day, salvation is not David Kim's work. And so what would it look like for us in 2023 to create a little bit more of the Sabbath, the silence, the solitude, to to stop? And and friends, I grew up in the, the church context where exhaustion or looking tired as a leader was a badge of honor, a badge of greater spiritual maturity. But what I've come to realize in my role as I began to actually be mentored by spiritual leaders who are further down the road and and people that, that, that have gone and followed Jesus for a long time, they do not have a hurried spirit. They are more calm, more anchored. My dad met Philip Yancey and Richard Foster, again, giants in the faith, and my dad met them at a, a restaurant. And the way they pause and, like, and like stop by to say, hey, like, what's your name? And my dad's like, oh, my gosh, like, you're Philip Yancey and Richard Foster. Like, I've read about you in seminary. And the way they carry themselves, they look for openings of God because they're not tunnel vision, just trying to grind it out. They're looking around because they understand that once they rest and have margins. And so what I begin to realize is that if you look at people who are more mature in their faith, they are slower. They are slower. And that slowness is not laziness as some people take it. Young people, right? You're like, you're young too. Yes, I'm talking. I'm learning this with you. But that that is a posture of spiritual maturity and growth because they're anchored in God's love for them, that they're not defined by what they do or how well they perform at work or church or Christian leadership or what have you. And so exhaustion, I used to think, I would look at pastors and like when they look exhausted and when I look exhausted in front of my congregation, I thought that shows how hard I work for you all. But what I began to realize more and more is that if I'm getting constantly tired and exhausted, that means I'm just bad at boundaries. And that I do not understand uh, the extent of my limitations that God has given for my life, that I do not know how to say no. I blame, actually, the church for making me who I am. I blame the leadership. I blame everybody else. But margin work and Sabbath work is not everybody else's problem. doesn't matter whether you're living in Egypt or not, that you have to understand that it is your own soil that God is asking you to protect and to guard and to walk with. So this morning, um, I did. I did a great, I woke up with an incredible spiritual exercise. I woke up early in the morning, and I rested uh, by watching the World Cup finals, (laughs) right? It's like, God, I'm preaching about this. Should I spend the morning in prayer, or should I watch the game? And I did, and I loved and enjoyed every minute of it. If you did not watch it, like, I don't want to ruin it for you, but it was one of the greatest games ever played, and I'm a big soccer fan, but I want to show you something here. Um, uh, yeah, show, show the photo real quick. And, 
And, and when, when the World Cup was happening in, in Qatar, it just ended this morning, uh, when they hired all these security workers to come, they had to sign a paper saying that once you are working the crowd, your main job is safety and security to make sure that there isn't any crazy things happening. And in their contract, FIFA asked them to say that you, have, you are agreeing to not even watch a second of soccer. You cannot even turn around. So this man, God bless him, you could tell what Enneagram number he may be, um, just follows the rules and just says, I will not do anything else, but what I've agreed to, I will watch the crowd, right? In one sense, I have great amount of respect and honor for this man. And if there's something about integrity, this guy's got it. But what I want to say is that in the entire two, three, four weeks that we have played, he missed it. World Cup exists for soccer, the game of soccer, the beauties of soccer to be played and to watch, to see the momentum and the goals getting scored and to watch the offense and defense at work and to celebrate your country and the joys and the highs and the lows. He's missing the whole thing. He's at the stadium. We're not even there, but I'm not missing it. But he is. And this is the invitation, and this is the invitation of Luke 10 with Jesus and Mary and Martha. This is what happens when we do, and uh, go to the next slide. (laughs) I love this, right? Now, there is another security guard, (laughs) right? He's not supposed to turn around. But this is a beautiful goal, and he himself is a Brazilian, and he will not miss, he will not miss the opportunity of one of the greatest soccer players of all time. You can debate, and I don't care, right? Scoring a goal for his own country, and he understands his assignment, that he's there to watch the crowd, but deep in his soul, right? He understands what the main thing is. The main thing is the joy and the love and the celebration of what soccer means to, the, to his country and to the world. Right? I'm not saying you shouldn't be a rule follower. What I'm saying is, is that there's a two different kind, just like Martha and Mary's story, there's a two different kinds of people in this world in our spiritual journey with Jesus. There are people who are just doing their thing, but in the process, you are missing out on all that God has in store for you. And there are people who take, seize the moment. And for us, the invitation is that as we head into 2023, what would it look like for us to not get distracted and busy and, and in the chaos of our Silicon Valley and COVID and all that is coming and who knows what other things will be coming in 2023, but still in the process. Again, busyness is the outer circumstances that we cannot control, but in it that we 
anchor ourselves, that we create margin in our own journeys so that we do not miss the invitation from Jesus to grow in his love, to grow in peace and gentleness, to be the kinds of people who are not tunnel vision, but who see what God might be up to in your life. And some of you, you are so busy that you're actually missing out on the calling of God in your life, that God is actually inviting you to something else, but you cannot even hear the Lord because you're caught up in the chaos. Worship team, I would love for you to come up. And so uh, I want us to practice this here at this moment. Okay, I don't want to uh, quickly end this message, which defeats the whole purpose of the invitation, right? And so I would love for us to just uh, pause for a moment. And what would it look like for us to create margin and Sabbath and rest and a pause in our lives? I have a friend in my men's group um, He's a father of two, and, um, and there's a lot. Um, one, of, one of his kids, he, he struggles with a, a kind of disability, and so there's just a lot that's uh, asked of them. And so um, after work, and he works at a uh, startup, and startup culture, there's just a lot. He would come, but what he would do is he would just park two blocks before his house and he would just pause and say God I cannot I cannot go home exhausted I gotta give my family the best so God would you recharge me God would you renew my strength to serve my child better to serve my wife better to not miss the main thing God, you have entrusted these three people into my care to love them, to disciple them in the way of Jesus. And so I will not miss that. So what would it look like? If you can't commit a whole day and if you can't start there and say, I'm going to choose this day to really not work and to breathe and to lean into things that are important in my life. If you can't do that, what would it look like to even just create five, ten minutes in your own journey? What would it look like for you in 2023 to create a little more space so that you can calm your hurriness and not miss the invitation of Jesus like Martha did? What would that look like for you? So let me ask you this question. Is there a circumstance in your life is there a situation in your life this year and even now that's just been crazy just overwhelmed you and you feel your anxiousness your hurriness your 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 restlessness your irritation your sensitivity all of it heightened because of this particular situation and you're like, David, you have no idea. This thing is, is killing my soul. Totally understand. Totally. Again, God doesn't say that 
all of your circumstances will be a smooth ride. I love, you remember that scene in Elijah, 1 Kings 19, after that great battle, he's exhausted. And I thought in the Asian translation version that God showed up and said, come on, get up. Let's kill it again, <laughs> right? That's what I, I, that's how I read the text. It's like, you weak sauce, right? God telling Elijah, like, you just did amazing thing. Me and you, let's tackle another idol, right? But the angel of the Lord, if you read the text, says this, rest and eat. This journey will be very long for you. And as I pray for this community, God's saying Christian faith is not for just today and tomorrow. It's a long journey. It's a long haul. Spiritual formation is a long path to Christ-likeness. So I'm not here kidding myself to thinking you're gonna, you and I are going to change today. But just 1%, just a little bit. This journey will be long for you and I. So instead of trying to fix everything by tomorrow, instead of trying to figure everything out by, by next week, can we say, God, I surrender my life to you. This journey is a long journey. So I take a deep breath. So we're gonna take a, we're gonna do a quick spiritual exercise. If you are comfortable, just breathe in and breathe out with me. Ready, set, go. Let's do that again. Again, ruach in Hebrew. The Holy Spirit is breath. There's a reason for that, you know that? That we're not breathing in. This is not yoga. Right? Though I love the stretches of yoga in different ways. Get focused, David. It's not yoga, but as you breathe in and breathe out, you're breathing in the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, Holy Spirit, I make, I love that song that they sang, I will make room for you. I will make room for you. So with whatever that circumstance that's driving you nuts, now hold that thought, okay? Whatever that is, illness, pain, job loss, family dynamics, relational chaos, church problems, whatever, right? It, it may be the person next to you, right? And just quickly look at them and just nod. Right? And, then, and then we're going to say, God, I commit this thing to you. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to work at it. It just means I'm not going to approach it with my hurried spirit. But I'm going to breathe the spirit of God. So with that community, let's take a deep breath again and breathe out. What I breathe in and what I breathe out, for me, it's my kid's salvation. I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. They haven't said yes to Jesus. And as a pastor's kid, as a pastor, there's a 
urgency, almost a hurriness in my soul. Come on, just say yes. But God, I will not force Christianity and Jesus down their throat. I will do my best to model Christ-likeness, but when they are ready, God, may they say yes to the invitation of Jesus. So 2023, I breathe in and I breathe out. God, I will not be embarrassed or shamed with where they are in their spiritual journey. I will not be ashamed by when people ask me where they are in their maturity. I breathe in and I breathe out, trusting you, God, that you're not just my father, but you're Skylar and Zoe's father. So I take a deep breath and I trust your spirit's leading. Some of you are going through a lot. And that restlessness, Jesus is saying, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you more work? No, I will give you rest. So would you close your eyes? Jesus, I really sense a leading from you to not rush this prayer, so I'm just going to pause. God, I thank you that... (laughs) All the illustrations that use in the Bible are illustrations of agriculture, agriculture, seeds and planting and seasons. They take time. You don't use Silicon Valley examples of machines and building by next week. And Costco and Whole Foods coming up in three months of building it. But you use seasons and trees that take years to grow into. And so, God, we pause and we say, God, we thank you for for 2022. And we just ask for a steady growth in 2023. God, we ask that this community will be a community that is anchored. That when people come into this room, they sense a, a spirit of peace and calmness. Because the work of God is very slow and steady. God, we pray for the chaos of this world that makes us a little bit anxious. And God, we just ask now that you would give us the right and helpful posture towards it. In Jesus' name, amen.